Welcome to This is the Author, where authors talk about narrating their audiobooks. In this episode, meet the Times national baseball writer Tyler Kepner, professor of anthropology Monica L. Smith, and author and speaker Matthew Sleeth. Each of these authors wants to ensure that the history and importance of particular people and places are acknowledged, explored, and celebrated. Whether it's a beloved baseball pitcher, a bustling city, or the beauty of trees in the natural world. And learn why one author's recording experience reminded him of reading aloud in first grade. Enjoy. Hi, this is Tyler Kepner. I wrote my book because really it's always been a life dream. I mean, As a writer for the New York Times, I write hundreds of articles a year, and I feel a little bit like a carpenter there, you know, like I'm making a bookshelf or making a, uh, you know, something small. And I'm proud of that stuff, but I always wanted to build a house, like something that's lasting and permanent and just a big project. So I always knew I wanted to do a book, but it had to be a book that, you know, that I would have enough time to really, well, first of all, to not stress out, because it had to be something that was kind of a timeless topic. And it had to be a topic that once I thought of it, I really couldn't not do it. And I'd always been fascinated by pitching. As I explained in the introduction, I pitched a little. I actually pitched a lot growing up. But I've always just been fascinated by that craft and by the idea that every pitch is a decision. You know, what am I going to throw here and why am I going to throw it? Why does this pitch make sense right now and where? You know, I remember talking to Bob Feller. I always just wanted to ask someone living what it was like to pitch to Lou Gehrig. And when Bob Feller was still around, you'd see him at the Indian spring training. And he knew, you know, right away, he remembered that he could hit his fastball, but he couldn't hit his curveball very well. So I just love that idea of how to set up hitters. And the real hook to me was this idea of passing down pitches from generation to generation. The tradition of baseball is such a big part of its appeal to me, and I think to a lot of people. And the fact that you can trace a lot of these pitches from one era to the next was a really, really cool thing for me to explore. You know, these guys love talking about what made them good and where they learned their best pitches and how they applied it turned out to be a topic that just about everybody was pretty eager to talk with me about. I was inspired, I guess, by a lot of the books I've read over my life. George Will's Men at Work, I read that when I was 15, and that introduced me to all of the things that were really going on on the field. So much more happens out there than I'd ever really known intuitively, I guess. There's still so much out there that happens that I don't see and that I probably will never see because I'm, I never played baseball professionally. And I have so much respect for these guys who do. And hopefully that's one of the things that comes across to them in our interviews and to the reader that I do have a genuine curiosity to find out all the things that I don't know. You know, Tony Gwynn was one of the guys who was interviewed extensively in George Will's book. And I got to know him a little bit when I was publishing my little baseball magazine in in middle school and high school. When the Padres would come to town to Philadelphia, I would always seek Tony out and he'd make some time for me. And one time he said, you know, I come to the ballpark every day so excited because I know I'm going to learn something new. And at that moment, I was 17 or 18, 19 years old. I knew, okay, I am never going to come to the ballpark and think that I know it all or think that there's nothing here for me to learn because Tony Gwynn is going to the Hall of Fame, one of the greatest hitters ever, and he knows more about baseball than I can ever dream of knowing. If that guy can learn something every day, 
then there's just a world of things for me to learn. If I had to describe what it was like to record this book in one word, that would, I mean, it would probably be fun. I really enjoy it. I work with my voice a little. You know, when I, I do some stuff for MLB Network Radio, I'm like a pinch hitter. You know, they need me 10, 12, 15 times a year to come in and be an analyst co-host for a few hours. I do that. And I really do enjoy it. I've listened to broadcasters, you know, my whole life, obviously. And I'd like to think I know a little bit about how to use my voice. I've never really had to speak as many words as I was for this book, 110,000 words or more. But it was fun. I really did enjoy it. I realized I had trouble pronouncing (laughs) Mariano Rivera. His name appears in the text a lot. It's just it's not the easiest name somehow to kind of flow from one word to the next. And there were other words that I would sort of stumble over in the moment, you know, a few sentences you had to repeat a few times. You know know what was a funny thing was this decade that we're in right now, I still don't know how to naturally refer to it. I mean, there's 1982, 1996, 2006. But what do you say for 2014? Is it 2014 or 2014? I don't know. Like, I think most of the time I said 2014, but I probably got an occasional 2014 in there. So that was a weird little quirk. You know, one thing that was funny was so many parts of the book, I'm quoting other people. And so, you know, you had to realize, like, you're not here, like, taping a voice on The Simpsons where you're doing an imitation. So as much as I wanted to imitate certain people whose voices I know really well, like an Andy Pettit or a Clyde Wright who has a really thick Tennessee accent, you really couldn't imitate them really much at all, except in the Wilbur Wood part, because I mentioned that Wilbur Wood has a you know, an endearing, thick New England accent. So I got to put that in there a little bit on the Wilbur Wood parts. I really did want to do some imitations there, but I'm not Hank Azaria or Harry Shearer. I had to change my voice a little, I think, to try to make it sound like I'm conversation, if I'm doing a quote, and also to slightly distinguish it from me as the narrator. But yeah, if I were really having fun and this wasn't going to anyone, you know, I might have like done some impressions. But when you're putting it out there for the public, you probably just leave the impressions to the side. Although I think I could have done a decent job if I was doing some impressions. If I hadn't done it myself, my dream narrator definitely would have been Harry Callis. He was the voice of the Phillies when I was growing up, and he was also the voice of NFL films. Just a really distinctive, incredible, rich baritone He would say, you know, Michael Jack Schmidt, Mickey Morandini, or uh, Cecilio Guante. You know, he just had a funny way of saying things. I still go back and listen to him sometimes on old broadcasts or on YouTube or whatever, just to hear the way he put things. He was the soundtrack to my childhood. Hi, this is Monica L. Smith, author of Cities, The First 6,000 Years. I wrote my book because I really like cities. I like going to them. I like excavating them as an archaeologist. I like being in a different place and thinking about all of the surging populations that are there and how it is that cities have so many things that rural places just don't have. It's not just the crush of people. It's all of the buildings, the monuments, the museums, the educational institutions, the sporting facilities, and that sense of liveliness, you know, like all those people packed in together. Like, what are we all doing there? That's why I wanted to write this book, because we didn't used to have cities as a species, and then all of a sudden, here we are. I wanted to figure out 
why that had happened, and when it had happened. If I had to describe what it was like to record my audiobook in one word, the word is amazing. I have had a wonderful time. It has been a great opportunity and a great experience. I am very appreciative to all of the people who made this possible, from the office in New York to the studio here in Los Angeles. So I have a great big thank you for all of them. Among the tongue twister words in this book, I realized I had trouble pronouncing paradisiacal, so I changed it because it sounded too much like parasites, and what I really meant was paradise-like. In recording this audiobook, I'm proud that I was able to bring the sense of a live lecture to the audience, to be able to reach out to people in the same way that I might connect in a classroom or in a lecture hall, and to hopefully bring forth the enthusiasm that I have for the subject right into the realm of the listener. If I wasn't going to record my audiobook, I would cast Oprah Winfrey, probably. The last audiobook that I listened to that I loved was Bruce Springsteen's Born to Run, because it really felt like I was sitting there in the studio with him, and he has a voice that made it sound like he had a pack of cigarettes and nails for breakfast, but it was so incredibly alive that it was just this sort of amazing being there moment. My favorite place to listen to audiobooks is actually at my computer because then I can listen to the book and then I can do other things at the same time and it's like having a companion with me. Hi, this is Matthew Sleeth. I wrote this book because I really saw a disconnect between what I understood as God's creation and what I was hearing in church. In other words, in church, people weren't talking about the beauty of God's creation. As a matter of fact, a lot of churches don't even have a window in them anymore. Nothing that God makes gets inside. God told his gospel outdoors, and he met his prophets outdoors, and Jesus walked under the blue skies, taught mainly on field trips. And I wanted to bring the trees and put them back in not only our vocabulary, but literally to have us value them and begin to protect them as a people of faith. If I had to describe what it was like to record my audiobook in one word, that word would be difficult. <laughs> I literally went back to a time in first grade when I wasn't allowed to go out to play period because I couldn't read the words <laughs> in front of the book. And I had a lot of trouble learning how to read as a child and flunked out of the 10th grade. And so it's a great irony to be reading. And it wouldn't have been possible without a couple of great people helping me through it. I realized I had trouble pronouncing toward. <laughs> I want to put an S on the end. And towards that end, <laughs> that was my problem. Whenever I've done something like a film or in the reading of this book, it's really the person who's directing me who should get the credit. <laughs> it would be impossible without them. Anything specific I'm excited about for listeners to hear? Well, I hope that they hear some of the passion that I have for this subject 
and the respect that I have for readers, both who are of faith and who are not. We're on this planet together, and I hope they hear some of that respect and the love that I have for people. If I wasn't going to record my audiobook, I would cast J. Ellsworth Callis. Dr. Callis was a great friend of our ministry. He was on our board for about eight years. He passed away several years ago, but I think everyone that ever heard him just loved to hear his voice. We could have listened to him read the phone book and been enlightened, so that's who I would have cast. My favorite audiobook to listen to is one that I frankly listen to again and again, and it's the reading of Mere Christianity. I'm sorry I don't know the reader's name, but really I hear C.S. Lewis when I hear it read. He's just brilliant, brilliant writing. My wife used to teach honors classes in high school and then in college she would always save Lewis's Mere Christianity for the culmination of the course because it's perfect in every form of writing. And when it was read, it was perfect as an audiobook. This is the Author is a production of Penguin Random House Audio. Thank you for listening. For more behind the mic content and audiobook recommendations, visit www.penguinrandomhouseaudio.com/nextlisten.